If you're an author or plan to be one, get excited because this podcast is for you. Book Marketing Mentors is the only podcast dedicated to helping you successfully market and sell your book. If you're ready for empowering conversations with successful marketing mavens, then grab a coffee or tea and listen in to your host, international best-selling author, Susan Friedman. Welcome to Book Marketing Mentors, the weekly podcast where you learn proven strategies, tools, ideas, and tips from the masters. Every week, I introduce you to a marketing master who will share their expertise to help you market and sell more books. Today, my special guest mentor of the week is book marketing expert, Penny Sansevieri. Her company, Author Marketing Experts, know how to create a strong buzz about your book and build a tremendous online presence. She helps authors make the internet a 24-7 promotion machine. She's dedicated to her clients' marketing success and really knows how to ramp up the energy in your book marketing campaign. Penny writes a regular column for the Huffington Post and has been a noted guest and contributor to several other nationally recognized media outlets. I also want to say that the way that I met Penny was many years ago when, you know, Career Press, my publisher for Riches and Niches, How to Make It Big in a Small Market, hired Penny to do some marketing, put her magic touch to marketing my book, and she did a fabulous, fabulous job. It became a number one bestseller. So I'm thrilled with what you did for me. Oh, but thank you. Penny, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for inviting me to be on. It's great to chat with you again. And obviously, such a small world. It is. It is. So Penny, you've represented numerous best-selling authors. But what does it actually take to make a book a bestseller? It's interesting because since you and I worked together, it has changed drastically. When we did your campaign, this was well before the tsunami of ebooks kind of flooded the market. And this is also well before, I think, you know, Amazon was big. But at the time, there were still a lot of other places. Borders was still around. Barnes Noble was more robust, you know, than it is now. So it used to be that if you wanted a bestseller, meaning New York Times, Wall Street Journal, USA Today, you had to have a certain number of books in a bookstore. So generally speaking, you know, you wanted to have a 30,000 print run of your book and books had to be pre-sold into bookstores because that was pretty much the main and only way that consumers found books was bookstores. And bookstores, you know, Target, Walmart also considered to be part of that. There had to be a major national media campaign. So national media, so morning shows, maybe 60 Minutes, Dateline, talk shows, Ellen, Oprah, when she still had a show, those types of things. That has now changed significantly because self-publishing, you know, which used to be the little sort of stepchild of publishing, self-publishing was considered the last choice that you had. Now it's the new black. Everybody's self-publishing. In fact, we worked with Guy Kawasaki, who self-published his amazing book about publishing called Ape. So many more people are doing it. Some people, in fact, are going direct to ebook. So we see this in a lot of genre fiction where authors are going straight to ebook. So what it takes now is it does take a significant push to quote unquote hit a list. You have to have a surge of books sold within a certain period of time. But that number has changed drastically because 
the ebook numbers. And now the New York Times is reporting ebook bestsellers separately. However, that is all the good news. The bad news is, is that there are 4,500 books published every day in this country. The channels, while they are open and welcoming and the playing field is leveled, they are fairly cluttered. An author really has to, it's rare nowadays that we see the author's first book just ricochet out of the gate, like a shot out of a cannon, amazing things, bestseller list, etc. It's really rare. Even people, when Gone Girl hit it big, everybody said, oh my gosh, you know, I didn't even know that, you know, she wrote books and I'm so excited and now I'm going to, you know, and everybody sort of assumed that that was her first book and it was her fifth or fourth or fifth. So a lot of times it takes time and an accumulation of effort. I always tell authors that it's really the long runway. So if you're leaving on a jet plane, it generally is not going to push away from the gate and just launch itself into the air. It takes a little bit of time and publishing is the same way. But if you put in the right amount of effort consistently, which is the key, right? It doesn't necessarily take daily. I mean, if you have days and days and days to promote your book, great. Look, I do book promotion for a living. I don't have days and days and days to promote my book because I have a company to run. But if you do all the right things, people will start to pay attention. And then fans tell other fans and bring in new readers and the wheels kind of start turning. One of the very significant changes that we see is that oftentimes authors with multiple books have a bigger, better chance of hitting the bestseller list because the second book helps to sell the first third book helps to sell the first and second. And at some point, they all kind of start to sell themselves. Not that the author can step back and take a vacation, you know, and say, well, I'm just going to wait for the royalty checks to come in. But it becomes significantly easier. And the other thing that we've seen is that short is the new long. So shorter books. So I have a book called How to Sell Books by the Truckload on Amazon, which is all about the Amazon algorithms. And I speak a lot about it around the country. And so we have a lot of authors who come to us specifically for that. This book, surprisingly, was only 72 pages. However, this book outsold Red Hot Internet Publicity, which is three times as long by 15 to 1. I realize that a lot of it is the title, but a lot of it is also that people want smaller consumable content. We talk about bite-sized content a lot, especially and in particular in social media. But the same thing is true for books. In fact, I had a publisher tell me that 20,000 words is their sweet spot now for a lot of fiction in, in particular. Absolutely fascinating. Thank you. <laughs> I'm like, oh my goodness, my head's spinning already <laughs> with some of those, uh, those things, especially the statistics. Yeah. So red hot strategies to sell more books. Mm -hmm. This is a sweet spot for you. Can you give us a few of those secret strategies you've got up your sleeve? Let me tell you a little bit about, so everything that we do is tested. Every single program that we do, everything I talk about on stage is all tested. This isn't just something like, woo, this sounds like a good idea. Let me share this with the crowd. So I wanted to test some particular strategies on a genre fiction book, specifically contemporary romance. The reason that I picked contemporary romance is because a lot of people are writing romance novels now. In fact, it's one of the busiest genres in genre fiction. I decided to see whether or not I could gain fan momentum for this book, whether fans could, to some degree, carry the success of this title. I had read a book by Jason Lovell called The Curve, and basically it's about how to make money in the age of everybody wants everything for free, right? which is something that I know a lot of people struggle with. 
so I took this book and unknown author, no platform, really no social media to speak of. And I gave it away for two days. We gave away 61,000 copies on Amazon. Within two days, the author got 200 letters from readers. Now I think that number is closer to 500. And the reviews on Amazon went from 20 to over 200. Now the number is, I think, just over 300 for this book. We did not actually work with this title. I specifically used this title to test these theories. I said, look, this is what I really want want to do. If it fails, we'll promote you for life. (laughs) But this is really what I want to do. Now, these reviews, the 20 reviews were bloggers and reviewers and whatnot that had been pitched. The rest of them were all readers. These are all reader reviews. Part of what kind of motivated me to do this also was that in this book, The Curve, he talked about how it only takes 1,000 super fans to hit the New York Times bestseller list. So the number is considerably smaller, but when you think by definition of a super fan, a super fan is someone who loves something so much, they're going to tell 10 or 20 of their friends. They're going to post it on social media. They're going to do everything that they can to help you to succeed. You know, you talk about the X-Files is coming back this month in January, and Whether a fan or not, the story about the show is pretty amazing because essentially the fans are the ones that brought it back. These super fans had enough power to bring back a show that had been shelved, whatever, 13 years ago. So that's really where I wanted to harness the power. Now, what I did in order to do this is I put a letter in the back of the book. And I know that a lot of people are sort of like, well, I have a letter, you know, I have this. But most of the time, these letters aren't really compelling enough. And what I did is I literally said, you know what, look, and I wrote this letter. I said, I want to thank you so much for reading. Because the first piece of it is that you want to thank your reader for spending time with you. Because this was an unknown author, so they were really taking their chances. And if they got to the letter, it means they either flipped ahead or they actually read to the end of the book. So I want to thank you so much for reading. Look, I hope that you stay in touch with me. Here's my email. I'd love to know what you think about the book. Because you're the reason I'm writing and you're important to me. You're the reader. Second, I would really love to get a review because reviews are really hard to come by. Goodreads, uh, Patrick Brown was doing, uh, from Goodreads, he was doing a session at a conference I was at, and he said they did a survey and found that the number one thing that readers want at the end of a book is to connect with the author. But a lot of times what you see is you see a page that sells the other books or just talks about how the author lives in Michigan with her two dogs There's nothing really compelling, and people have to be told what to do. They like to be told what to do. Give them direction, and they will change the world. By putting this letter together, I said, look, I really want you to contact me. Let me know. So all these letters from readers started to build the super fan base, right? So got all these reviews. So now these people were written back, all of them individually. Thank you so much for writing. So this wasn't – there was nothing blanket or automated about the system. When the next book in the series came out, I said, okay, I want you to just to trust me on this one. Again, very little social media, not a big footprint out there. I said, I want you to trust me on this one. I want you to release this book on December 15th. It was released December 15th of 2014. Release this book on December 15th. Let's put it on pre-order for three weeks. We'll let the super fans know. We'll incentivize them to tell their friends, et cetera. But beyond that, we did no promotion for this book whatsoever. In pre-order, this book by an unknown author, second book, did like 1,500 in pre-order. And within the first two weeks of the book going live on Amazon, it did 1,000 copies. Now, if you can do that without really lifting a finger in promotion, with just dedicating yourself to building your fan base, one reader at a time, 
you can really change how your book does. The problem, Susan, that I find is a lot of times authors say, I only really want the big name bloggers. I want the big names. I want this. I want that. But what they're missing is the bottom-up marketing that can really leverage success on a book. You know, a lot of people look at like 50 Shades of Grey. For years, when I taught in conferences, romance writers were writing those types of books. So erotic romance has been around for as long as I've been in business. How did 50 Shades of Grey take off? A lot of it had to do with the super fans. A lot of it had to do with the fact that when you go onto that site, you know, that page on Amazon, she's got probably 5,000 reviews now. 80% of them are readers. There's a certain momentum that a reader creates when they are engaged by the author, when they feel like they're part of the tribe. That's where a lot of authors aren't spending their time. They're buying ads. It's not that being on Twitter and Facebook, because this is something we, you know, we do this as a business. It's not that pitching bloggers is not a good thing. But authors say to me all the time, what can I do on my own? So I've hired you to do all this great stuff. What can I do on my own? I'm like, build your fan base because your fan base will change your life. Would this work as well with a nonfiction book as it does with, you know, you said these romance novels now? Yeah. And part of the reason why I did it on contemporary romance, again, is because I wanted to pick a really saturated market. I wanted to pick a market that was so cluttered with other books that if I could gain success for this book, I could probably replicate this for nonfiction and, you know, as well. That's part of the reason why I tested it there. Yeah. You mentioned book reviews and Book reviews often give authors real grief, and we've had a few speakers talk about book reviews. Still, I know authors have a lot of trouble getting them. I believe you've got a secret tool that authors can use to uh, leverage to get more reader reviews. Can you share that with us? Can I entice you to do that? (laughs) Yes, absolutely. So the secret really is that letter in the back of the book. That's probably one of the biggest secrets of getting. And, you know, part of it is, is that you have to really ask readers, just ask them for a review. Say, you know, if you liked the book or you didn't like the book, never ask them for a good review because that starts to get very sketchy. Ask them for a review. And not every review that this author got or any of the authors that we've done this with got was necessarily a five-star, oh my gosh, I don't know what I did before this book came into my life. They were honest reviews and that's really what you want. By engaging your reader, you know, and I have authors who create VIP clubs, so special clubs on Facebook that say, you know, if you want to be a part of this club, you can be part of this club, you'll get exclusive access to content, content that wasn't included in the book for nonfiction authors, you know, maybe checklists or workbooks or something like that, that you will get for free. The only thing I ask in return is, is that when I have a new book coming out, I need you to be part of my review tribe. I will give you this book for free, so don't make them buy it because you want to treat them like a regular reviewer. I'm going to give you this book in exchange for an honest review. I will tell you, you will be surprised at how well that works. And once you put these readers in place, they want to be treated like they are part of something exclusive. But once you put these readers in place, getting reviews becomes that much easier. And the thing is, is that when we have first-time authors that come to us and say, you know, I really want big blogger reviews. Sometimes that's very possible for first-time authors. Sometimes it's a little harder because they're just starting out. And I realize it's not fair and their book may be amazing, but these bloggers are really busy. So they can be selective because they get pitched so much. They can be selective about what they take. And 
by having other voices on that Amazon site, you know, on Amazon, the bloggers look at that and think, well, you know what? People like what other people like. So the more reviews you get, the more reviews you'll get. It used to be that 50 reviews on Amazon was amazing. Now it's really kind of just a good start. You want to get to that 100 number, 200, 300 and up from there because it helps with your exposure, with your visibility on Amazon because it triggers the algorithms, but it also helps when somebody just lands on the site and they think, oh my gosh, look at all these great reviews. I know a big thing on Amazon is finding the right category for your book. Can you address categories and how that can drive sales? How do you identify those? So two things about categories. So Amazon is really a search engine. Think about Amazon as a search engine and think about your category as a way to get more exposure within Amazon. And don't think about your category as I want to be the best-selling book in mystery or in self-help or in, you know, in my case, like in social media. Categories, the more niche that you can get, the better. Because if you put yourself into the wrong category, not only will your exposure diminish, but Amazon's algorithms tend to support books that are holding their own in a category. So not necessarily like number 500 in a category or something within the top 10 in sometimes in very busy categories within the top 20. An example of that, all right? So we had an, I had an author that I was consulting with and she had a book about teen bullying that leads to teen suicide. And she put the book in the category teen suicide because intuitively that makes the most sense. That's what the book's about. However, the psychology of that is that people aren't really searching for that, right? So the two things that Americans really don't like to talk about are death and whether or not we've saved enough money for retirement. Those books do not tend to do well, period, end of story. It would stand to reason that those categories would also be more challenging. When I looked at this book and I looked at Amazon, I realized that there was a category called teen health, teen health, which makes sense because mental health is also health that only had 95 other books in it. When we moved her to that category, the book went from like a four or 500,000 sales rank up to a 20,000 sales rank. And if you were at the top 27,000 on Amazon, you're considered the top 1% of Amazon in terms of sales. Changing a category can really change where the book sits in terms of getting it onto the reader's radar screen. How do you go about even searching for these categories? Well, you do have to do some digging. So the categories and the keywords, you know, when I train authors and when I teach this, I always tell them, I say, you know what, this is probably going to take you the longest. However, you don't have to go in and change this all the time unless you're sitting in a topic that changes consistently. So if you have a book where the market changes all the time, probably want to get in there and do some tweaking. In terms of the categories, what I would recommend that you do is start, this is going to sound a little backward, but start outside of Amazon. There's a site called ubersuggest.org. And ubersuggest, just like the car service, ubersuggest is a site that will, if you plug in your keyword, it scrapes Google every day to find out what people are searching for. So the first thing is, and a lot of times this is really a wake-up call for authors, you want to really know how people are searching for your topic because this may surprise you. So that's the first piece of it is figure out how people are searching because this author was very, very hyper-focused on teen suicide and I had to get her off of that conversation because it wasn't productive to the success of her book. 
So when we searched on Uber Suggest, I said, you know, what about mental health? What, let's take a look and see what we find. And then we went over to Amazon and I started digging down, digging through the categories. And, oh, look, here's one. And, oh, my gosh, it only has 95 other books in it. And when you're talking about a site that, according to Amazon, has 4 million other titles, which I think is inaccurate because with 4,500 books published every day, I think that number is way above 4 million at this point. But let's just go with 4 million. 4 million books, if there were only 95 other books in that category, I mean, that's probably a really good place for you to be. However, what I recommend that you do is if you find a category like that and you think, whoa, this is golden, this is amazing, take a look at the sales rank of the books in that category. It's a little bit of a two-step process because if the sales rank is really high, it probably means that even though there aren't a lot of books in that category, they probably aren't selling either because the high sales rank means that you're not selling a lot of books. Does that make sense? It does. It certainly does. So I like the idea of going into Ubersuggest and looking at that because, as you say, I mean, that's going to give you some ideas that you may not necessarily have thought about going to Amazon and searching there. So fabulous. Mistakes. Let's touch on a couple of really big mistakes that you find that authors make. I think the number one is not really knowing where their audience is. So when authors come to us, they say, I need to be on every single social media site. So they'll say, you know what? I want you to do my social media. I want to be on every site. And I'll say, why? You know, why do you want to be on every site? Well, because I think I need to be. I think I need to for exposure, big exposure. And I will tell you that it's not about being everywhere. It's about being everywhere that matters. What I always suggest to authors is first, be your own detective. Get on and see where other authors in your market are. For example, if you write mysteries, let's say, take a look at the top authors on Google and stay away from big brand names. Let's say James Patterson, any of the really big Mary Higgins Clark, obviously, you know, some you know mystery. Those folks are brands, right? And they've kind of been grandfathered into a system where Mary Higgins Clark could hop on Instagram tomorrow and maybe she's already there, but she could hop on Instagram tomorrow and have a million followers in an hour. So you want to find people who aren't necessarily top of mind in terms of household names, but are still ranking fairly high on Google. And then take a look and see what social media sites are they on? How often do they blog? What social media sites are they on? You know, And what are they saying when they're on those sites? Because if they have decent ranking on Google, it probably means they're doing everything right, or at least pretty right. And that'll start to give you a roadmap because what happens is, is authors exhaust themselves. So they say, okay, I'm going to be on Facebook, I'm going to be on Twitter, I'm going to be on Pinterest, I'm going to do Instagram, I'm going to do videos for YouTube. And I'm sitting here thinking, well, then you have more time than I do because <laughs> there's no way that I could be on all those sites. So the first thing is don't worry about being everywhere, just be everywhere that matters. And I will tell you that you are far better if you spend all of your energy Building your fan base on, let's say, Facebook, on Facebook, or even LinkedIn, if you have a business title, put all of your energy in there and really build it as opposed to having five social media sites where you're only active maybe once a week because it's become very hit and miss. The second thing that I see where authors miss is being consistent. And here's an interesting thing about consistency. And consistency sounds like, wow, that's a little boring. But I will tell you that if you do anything consistently, you will do it well. Maybe it's blogging, maybe it's being on social media like we talked about, 
whatever that is. Because what happens is, is that authors, they get onto their blog and they post five blogs and they get really excited and then nobody comments. And they think, well, I feel like a loser and I'm not going to get on this blog and nobody likes me and I'm done, mm-hmm. right? And I get that, believe me, because when I first started blogging on the author marketing expert side, I was like, oh, nobody's listening. And it feels like nobody is listening. If you're saying things that interest people and you consistently do this over time, you will start to drive attention to yourself. Sometimes you have to talk to an empty room before the room starts to fill up and you start to build fans. I mean, that's just the reality of it. You know, we can't all stand on stage and have two, 300 people in the room cheering us on. Sometimes it's just one guy or one woman and it's your mother and she's clapping the audience until the other people join her. There's a period of that, which I know can be really discouraging for authors because they're like, well, you know, I'm not, and, and you know, maybe you aren't posting the right stuff. And if that's the case, if you're not really sure, spend some time with a professional who can kind of look at your audience and maybe give you some feedback because sometimes we're a little too close to our own thing. But consistency is really, really a big thing. The third thing that I would say, and there's, I'll stop after this because I know there's probably, there's a lot, not that authors do a lot wrong, but there's just a lot of stuff that I sort of see. But the third piece of it is that authors price their book incorrectly. While this sounds counterintuitive, do not price your book too high. I mean, there's a difference between pricing your book too high and just pricing it out of the audience. If you're a new author, you are far better off And it will serve you much better in the long run if you keep your book price low enough to attract that new reader who is willing to take a chance on you. If you only have one book out and I look at your book on Amazon and your ebook is 10 bucks, I can tell you right now I'm not going to get it. Unless 10 people have said, oh my gosh, this is the best book ever. But if you're a new author, you probably don't have that. So be careful how you price your book. A lot of people say, I need to price my book high because I have to make the money back that I've invested in it so far. And I will tell you, that's the wrong thought process because especially with eBooks and paperback, keep the price at what is reasonable in terms of take a look at some other books in your market and see what those books are priced at. So a lot of segues for you to tell us more about your services and how our listeners can get hold of you. Well, first off, I welcome feedback My email address is penny, P-E-N-N-Y, at amarketingexpert.com. Our website is amarketingexpert.com. We do book marketing and publicity at all levels. So if you have a big budget, that's great. If you're starting out and you have a smaller budget, we can help you too. And I also have, I'm super excited, I have a new book that was born this week. Very, very happy about that. Very happy that it's out because it's a social media book. You know, every time I finished a chapter in that book, the social media site that I was writing about would change something and I'd have to go back (laughs) and revise that chapter. So it was a little bit of a nightmare. But Red Hot Internet Publicity just came out this week and it's, I'm keeping it at $3 um, for the next couple of weeks for the ebook on Amazon. So it's a pretty good deal for a 300 page book. Very much so. I'm heading right over there right now, (laughs) I tell you. Fabulous. Thank you, Penny. So, Penny, if you were to leave our listeners with a golden nugget of information, what would that be? Well, the first piece of this I would say is pick your battles wisely. So, figure out what you can realistically do because the worst thing that can happen to an author is that they get discouraged and that they feel like, you know, I've just done all this stuff. So, pick your battles wisely. Make sure that you identify your audience and then build your fan base. I'm going back to that. I got to tell you, 
your fans will carry you through a lot of tough times and they can really change the life of a book. I've heard it many times and I love hearing it because it reinforces something that we all should be doing, just building those super fans, those raving fans, because as you said, those are the ones that are going to help you climb that mountain. So Penny, thank you. You've been amazing as always. Thank you all for taking precious time out of your day to listen to this interview. And I sincerely hope that it sparks some ideas that you can use to sell more books. This week's podcast is sponsored by PicFu, the company that quickly and easily tests market book covers, titles, promotional material, and more. So go to PicFu.com, that's P-I-C-K-F-U.com forward slash Aviva, A-V-I-V-A, pickfoo.com forward slash Aviva to claim a special 10% discount on your first poll. And here's wishing you much book marketing success. The time is now to take action and finally build your book selling empire. And the great news is that Susan is here to help you. Visit bookmarketingmentors.com and sign up for a free 15-minute book marketing strategy session with Susan. She'll help you discover your first steps to marketing and selling your book. Only those who take action are rewarded, so visit bookmarketingmentors.com and we'll see you again next week. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.